This is On the Block with Stricken Bach. Nebraska Basketball Hall of Famer and nine-year NBA vet, Eric Strickland. Strickland for three! And you're going to go out of here at the Big 8 tournament champion. 93-7, the ticket veteran and Ortega connoisseur, Jake Bakoven. I like Ortega and I like Pepper. Coming at you live from the Coppel Chevrolet GMC Studios in the heart of Lincoln, America. On air and online at theticketfm.com. Sponsored by the Mercado by Certified Piedmontese. This is On the Block with Stricken Bob. Hold up. You're joining us on the block on 93.7 The Ticket, theticketfm.com. We thank you for joining us on all of the platforms, Twitch, Spotify, and all of the others that are out there to include right here on YouTube. You can find us at 93.7 The Ticket on the block. We thank you again for joining us in the second hour. We're going to talk a little bit about Nebraska basketball and the outcomes that have happened with Matt Abdomasi also losing Doc Sadler as their coach. But sometimes what you can find in the loss of a coach, sometimes you can have a shift in the mindset of what the recruits may be thinking and and pondering, do they stay or do they go? That is something that we talked about, Bach, um, you know, if not yesterday or the day before, we kind of talked about the Nebraska dynamic of Matt Abdomasi being the, the lead recruiter and how sometimes that handoff from one, from the recruiting coordinator who doesn't have a lot of on-court duty, so to speak. He's there and present at times when he's in town, but he's mostly on the road. There's a handoff that goes to the coaching staff. And sometimes that handoff and not having that relationship with those players in the same manner that Matt Abdomasi may have had sometimes gets lost in the web of just the season, you know, the process of getting in on campus and, and just, just the whole practice and, and playing type elements that comes with the relationship that you may have with a coach that maybe had recruited you and also worked with you in your in development of your game. So now we find there's a situation where there are some players that have kind of made some thoughts and, 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 and have stated their thoughts. And, um, you know, Matt Abdomasi right now we know is not going to be there. You know, Blaze Keita has actually stated that he's still communicating with Matt Abdomasi. So if Matt Abdomasi lands somewhere else, it's very – <laughs> that could be a huge loss to lose a center of that caliber, a four-star caliber uh, center, which you really need somebody who can take over on the inside. And then if you lose uh, Derek Walker, you have really no options out there. If I'm, if, if I'm Fred Hoiberg and, and whoever's coming in, I'm either trying to uh, recruit a coach that has somebody in mind that can come in and, and be a potential backup plan or, or I'm trying to, you know, basically sell the dream to Blaze Keita and, and the others to make them uh, to stay because you, you, you know, they're what, I think 27th in the nation this year of the recruiting class that they were able to bring back. So, how do you view it? Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a tough place to be because Nebraska obviously felt like there, there needed to be some sort of change. Um, and, and we've been saying it all along. I mean, this season, unfortunately, um, was going to be viewed as a failure for quite some time as we as we kind of process the 0-12 start in the Big Ten. It was going to be hard to turn it around. So, you know, for a, for a long time there, a lot of us were thinking they're going to have to make some changes. And, and, you know, although you don't want to call out one guy in specific, you know, Matt Abdomasi kind of seemed like the guy where all the blame would go. And I don't know if that's necessarily fair. A lot of people will say that he did 
didn't recruit um, the best players as far as the best fit into the offense or just fit together, whatever the case may be. Um, but you have to you have to give him credit because he did recruit some of the best recruiting classes that have been at Nebraska um, since they started uh, measuring that sort of thing. And he's got some guys, you know, Delano Benton, Bryce McGowan's, you know, guys off Teddy Allen's off to the to the NBA. I don't know if Teddy Allen will, but you know those other two um, and that have that have just you know played really well just hasn't led to win so they ultimately made the decision and yeah Robin Washit of Husker Online caught up to uh, to some of the guys that are coming in and Blaze Keita just said he doesn't know yet if he, he says maybe I'm still going there you know maybe he's not a good not a good thing you'd like to hear a yes a definitive but um, maybe doesn't sound um, too good um, Ramel Lloyd for what it was said uh, his father actually said they're processing it all now so you know pr- that's obviously not a definitive either um, Jamarcus Lawrence and Denim Dawson um, both said that they're that they're not going to have a big influence on whether they go or not. So it sounds like they're um, committed to Nebraska. So that's good at least. But your top two recruits in that class are Blaze Keita and Ramel Lloyd, and they weren't ready to give a definitive um, yes. They're coming in, and and, and especially in Blaze Keita's uh, case, where you say maybe. <laughs> I mean that's that's bad news. But I still think Nebraska had to had to do something. It's just again fascinating because Matt Abdomasi's been Fred Hoiberg's right hand man when he had success at Iowa. State. Again, this was a bigger part of the picture as to why this whole thing was going to work out at Nebraska because they weren't changing the recipe. It wasn't, you know, he's going to have to learn to, with these new guys that he hadn't worked with before. This was his group. And of course, we know well how that doesn't work in all sports. We know that Scott Frostbury and his buddies didn't necessarily work, but um, it, it, I, I'm going to be fascinated by who they bring in. It's, it's got to be somebody that relates well to this, to this team and, and brings them together like you said, I'm not even sure if it's more important to get these incoming, to keep that incoming class together or for this year. I mean, they're kind of what like what we've talked about with Scott Frost. You're in win now mode. It's got to change. It's got to turn into maybe not what's best for you three years down the line because you're not going to get that opportunity if you don't turn around the season next year. And, you know, maybe with Matt Abdelmasi, I know he's more of the, the off-the-court type of guy, so maybe it's not going to affect Derek Walker or Trey McGowan's decision. Um, but you really need to be able to bring in a group that, you know, next year add pieces to something that's already set in place. And Derek Walker and Trey McGowan's coming back, I think, would would benefit that. Um, otherwise, you're talking about, you know, building around C.J. Wilcher and, and Tominaga and, uh, you know, Breidenbach, who didn't get to play too much. And, you know, I, I think some of those pieces, especially Wilcher, are, are going to work out great as, as pieces. I just don't know if they're ready to be the main ingredient. Right. And uh, and so it's 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 that's the fear is I don't know how all this stuff is going to transition. Of course, Doc Sadler was released the other day. Um, It's worth keeping note on now that uh, uh, Armand Gates brother actually took the Missouri job. Um, I don't know if he's necessarily going to be interested in, in, in following his brother Dennis over to Columbia, but that could be another guy that you lose off that staff. We'll see. Um, maybe the staff changes are done, but. It's 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 messy. It, Nebraska basketball right now is messy. Yeah, and 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 I think I think the discussions can bode well still. I think, and also I, I also want to take a look at remember the relationship between Matt Abdomasi and and um, and Fred Hoiberg is a unique one. It is it is not one of just a working relationship. They are like family. They consider themselves to be family. They they are very close. They've been together for a lot of years, and it is in no form and in no fashion do I think that Abdomasi is going to sell 
Fred Hoiberg down the river. I don't think he's he's talking to these guys and like there's some bull crap up there. Don't, eh. I don't think he's having those type of discussions. I think he may leave them alone. He knows that he knows what value he brings to the to the table. He's probably even uh, you know basically giving them good information to possibly send them there. I don't think he's he's telling them anything negative. Um, and that's just my opinion. I don't I don't, I don't know for sure, but. I think that Abdul Masi and Fred had a discussion and understand the dynamic of what what transpired and what needed to be done in order to even save his friends, basically, tenure there at the University of Nebraska. So um, the, 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 the real story, I think, you sell to Blaze Keita is, you know, we're losing our center. This is what we need. We know and we believe you can provide it. You're the best. You're the best fit for that. And we're going to make sure you shine in making sure you 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 perform as a player here at Nebraska. Ramel Lloyd, they're losing Alonzo Verge. There's really no point guard out there uh, other than Grizel, right? That can pos- that can that has multiple abilities to play positions, but not necessarily as a traditional point guard. Whereas Ramel Lloyd is a PG. So I would be selling that story as, look, we're losing Verge. You saw what Verge was able to do. This offense is going to be very suited to you. You and your dad, listen, I understand what happened with Abdel Masi. It was something that had to be done. Unfortunately, that was the thing that was coming down from the upper, upper, you know, management. And, but we, we see you as the guy. Now they would be put out a very long team if they're able to retain Trey, Trey, you know, Ramel Lloyd at 6'6". You got Blaze Keita now at 6'10". You no longer have to worry about, you know, a size difference every night. And if you can retain Walker, I can see that being a nice little lineup with Blaze Keita. You got Walker if Walker stays. And then you look to to either Trey McGowan's, uh, even Denim Dawson possibly, um, stepping in at that three position and then throw Trey in that two position and Ramel and run with it. And then you got some nice nice pieces coming off the bench. You still have a very depth. You have still have very good depth at the other positions to come in and give you some spark off the bench. So that's 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 the story I'm selling, and I will keep selling it. Knowing that Jam- uh, Jamarcus Loring and Denim Dawson is still staying, they made the commitment. That's a good sign. Yeah, yeah, it is. At least you know that's half your class that you got made up there. But again. Um, th- those guys are, are, are solid, and I'm, I don't want to downplay you know them coming in. That should be exciting as well. Um, but the, the 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 missing pieces, I, I suppose, over the last couple of years has been you know that true point guard. You've kind of had yeah. that experience, you know, experiment with Delano Banton. Was he a true point guard? I'm not sure. He could play all five positions, but was he a true point guard? Probably no. not. Um, Alonzo Verge is fascinating. Um, as we look back on his career, I thought he played really well toward the end there. Um, and yeah. ultimately, I think the experiment worked out in on his behalf as far as was he what you know was he what he came to do, which was improve some of those numbers and to get his NBA draft stock up a little bit. Um, he led the conference in assists. Yet mm-hmm. we would still probably say um, was transitioning most of the year to a true point guard. I think by the end you could you could say that he was getting pretty darn close to being that, but yeah, uh, yeah. It, it just was it was a long time getting there. Yeah, absolutely. It took it took some time, but that's the thing about it. It does. It takes time. I mean, that, I mean, even for myself who had, who had not played the position throughout my whole collegiate years, even in high school. I mean, I, I could have played it, but. I was always just a player. And at the time, I just find myself in a position where it was very traditional. It was John Stockton's. It was, you know, uh, it it was, uh, shoot, Rod Strickland's. It was Mark Jackson's. It was Kenny Anderson's. It was very traditional in your point guard positions back in my day. I was just a player. 
I kind of help in the transition of taking basically uh, guys at a size and just showing them to be players. That's why you have what you have a lot of times in the NBA. Now I'm not saying I'm the guy that, you know, transitioned that, but I'm, I'm, I'm part of that transition into where they started just looking at guys who can play. We're going to put a guy who can play and get him on. That's how you get, uh, you know, um, uh, from Boston, um, Marcus smart. That's how you get Marcus smart, you know, type of player. He's not a traditional point guard, but he can play. And you can play in multiple positions. So you've got a lot of guys that can do that now. And that's the hardest thing to do is to go from being an absolute scorer to understanding how to run a team. And so you definitely want something more traditional. You want something that knows what to get guys in, 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 in what type of plays to get them in, who's hot, who's not, where they like the ball to be passed to, how do they like it? Do they like to come off of their right or, or come off to their left side? What side do they like the ball on in the post? You've got to be able to process all of those things. And and it was just seeming as if Verge was trying to finally get there. It just uh, unfortunately happened too late. Yeah, and and I I wonder how we're going to kind of look back at his career because again it's 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 not every year you have a guy lead the conference in assists so um it was it was solid and again there's so many numbers that you can point to that if you would have told like if you would have told us at the beginning of the year because we knew that was the case right was that he was going to have to transition and say well he'll end up he'll end up leading um the league in assists and and for what it's worth Bryce McGowan's is going to score more points than any freshman uh, since D'Angelo Russell in Big Ten play again I mean there's just uh, D- Derek Walker is going to darn near 70% for most of the season. I mean, there's just a lot of numbers that you can throw out there. Unfortunately, all those numbers, you know, certain numbers have been good at times, triple doubles and, uh, you know, all that sort of thing. But it just hasn't ever led to wins. And, you know, that, that can yeah. be part of the, the fast-paced system. If you're trying to, you know, score 80 points a night, you're giving up 85. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of numbers that we can look to defensively that haven't been so good as well for Nebraska. Mm-hmm. And they kind of turned on the defense there at the, at the end of that season run. I know it doesn't seem like a big difference. And back in the day, if you gave up 70 under Dex, Doc Sadler, that was a lot of points because he would hold the, you know, the hold the possession for, on this offensive side quite a bit. Um, but with uh, a system like, uh, like they have now where they're, they're shooting a lot of shots to hold a team to 70, you know, that, that should be more the goal. And that's how they were able to win a few of those games down the stretch. We, we oftentimes get really caught up on the offensive end. Um, but the defensive end, it, it was the bigger problem for Nebraska. I think. Mm-hmm. Especially on the rebounding side, Oh yeah, uh, just defensive breakdowns because you play great defense, which they did for most of the, most of the year. I mean, they played, you can consistently say that Nebraska played for 25 to 30 minutes a game. And it was those long lows of eight, 10 minutes of just scoring two points and then turnovers and then extra. I mean, you play defense. I don't care who you are, even myself. You you play defense. That's why for me, it was like, I'm going to get this board. I don't care where it's come. I'm going to get it. And because I'm not playing defense for 60 seconds or 50 seconds. I mean, or yeah. 60 seconds, <laughs> 40 seconds. I don't care how yeah. long it 40, 40, 40 plus is too much for me. And so, you know, securing that rebound is an imperative thing, especially if you're going to defend. You can't continuously give up extra opportunities and just have to, you know, it just seemed like Nebraska, every time they gave up an extra rebound, somebody hit a three or somebody hit another shot or they got an extra attempt and then they hit a shot. It just seemed like it was just a downhill road for them when it came to that part. What do you think about the potential of Sam Griesel, the new Nebraska commit, perhaps starting he started uh, three years there for North Dakota State um, was uh, was a pretty good rebounder for his position I mean he, he can play mm-hmm. point guard he's six six um, and listen he's 220 yeah he's a big he, guy. He, listen I played at 220 in the NBA so that's a big boy that's not 
listen, that's not no little light, light, light in the butt type of kid. You know, he's he's going to be able to put somebody on his hip and and do some things. I'd like to see, you know, just how his handle is and how shifty he's become. But um, I mean, he's got some consistency in his stroke. I know he's got a solid stroke, but yeah, he's not a small boy. And I would love to see him, you know, be able to come in and, and be able to handle and run a team, if, you know, if he's, if he's required to do that. Yeah, and I just I think he can help out. I know he had, he was doing pretty good, like we said, led the team with assists because he played that point guard position. But I think he was close to five rebounds a game. I mean, um, and I, against Nebraska, he played a couple years ago and led that game with offensive rebounds. I think he had close to close to five again. I have to look up the numbers, but um, he should be able to help out in that that arena that area i don't know if he's like the like you said you need to go out and find and get a rebounder um he kind of brings a lot of things to the no. table but i think at least if, if he was your point guard if that's a, that's a lot of size and that's a lot of rebounding if that's what they end up going with um it'll be fascinating because again they, they just the the hoiberg era point guards uh has been you know cam mack delano benton and uh and now and now lonzo verge and then you move on to the next side it's it's not it's not your traditional point guards. It's uh, it, it, you know, it's just trying to trying to fu- fit in what you can. And, and some of those were supposed to provide mismatches, and I think they did at times. I think Greasel would at, at times too. Um, but mm-hmm. he's he's not your your old school six two set him up All type right. of point guard. I, I also think something that would go well with their particular offense. They they were very much a look to uh, Verge, uh, get it to Verge. Uh, rare occasions where you would have Trey McGowan bring it sometimes Bryce, but mostly they, it was a look to verge to push and probe. Um, whereas us with, in the Danny knee system, we didn't care. Whoever got it out, we out. And it was, you know, if I got it, we roll. If, if Pike got it, we roll. If Jamar got it, we roll. If, yeah. if Jerron got it, we roll. It was just whoever. I think Nebraska would do so much better in that role because what's happening is, they're push probing with one guy, whereas with us, it was catch, see what's happening. If we don't have a, um, you know, an outlet up the court, then we push and we're trying to get into the paint and we're finding guys. And that's how it worked for us. Whereas um, we were trying to our goal was to get a push up the field. I mean, up the court. That's where Pike was strong. That's where Jerome was strong. That's where I was strong. That's where Badge was strong. That's where we could find Bruce in the middle of the paint or Derek Chandler or you know, guys like that, Mikey Moore, where Mikey was running, we that we all just ran and we ran for depth and we ran under the rims. If we didn't, we didn't just run to stop. We ran for layups. We ran for opportunities. And I think that this Nebraska team could do that if they don't necessarily have a traditional point guard situation. Find it, push it, push it up. If you don't have nothing, probe. Then if you don't have nothing, bring it out. Try to find a Blaze Keeter or somebody inside you don't have that work it around get into your action yeah i I think that could help too and i think that might have limited the effect effectiveness of of alonzo verge once again i think that he had an effective career don't get me wrong and and a good season and certainly finished out strong like i was saying but he was he was sixth man of the year and averaging the same amount of points that he averaged here playing off ball you know it Mm -hmm. the only time like you were saying it, it it just he didn't have a whole lot of of, of off-ball opportunities at Nebraska, especially in transition where they were looking to find him. Um, it's not that Nebraska would always just, you know, find him. You know, they, they'd give their yeah. transition attempts as well. But more often than not, um, his off-ball opportunities was like give the ball to him late in the shot clock, which is not, mm-hmm. you know, designing something for him. It was just getting him into ISO situations. Yep, that's exactly right. It was, it was find him, see what he can do. If he can't get anything, 
I think what was a detriment to Alonzo Verge was that he was going to try to find a way to shoot it in, in late clock situations as opposed to finding a way to get deep until he learned later. He learned a little bit later yeah. how to find those guys, how to create wraparounds, how to do different things. Sometimes it didn't work out well for him, but for the most part, he found out that driving too deep and, – and, and, and that's another thing about this generation is – you're either trying to get to the rim or you're trying to shoot threes. There's yeah. not many guys. There were so many opportunities where Verge would break the guy down. And when he did stop and hit that mid range, it worked for him. It's just when they're him and Bryce, they're all most of the time trying to get to the rim, trying to throw some, you know, some wild floater or some tricky shot Man, pull up and just shoot a little short floater, a little pop. You know, it's the toughest shot to make, but if you master that, you're going to open up so many opportunities, both in your long range as well as your layup opportunities. Because the big man's got to now make a decision. Do I stand back or do I got to step up? And that's what you're able to create with a mid-range. Yeah, and you, I mean, just look at like Chris Paul. I mean, I know that I know he's playing through that's, the arrow where it's only layups or threes, like you're saying. But man, talk about a guy that's made a career out of it, and he's just—I mean, he's so good. DeRozan, yeah, DeRozan, DeRozan certainly is mid-range king. Oh yeah, like, and he's—you know—he was in the MVP race. He was putting up crazy historical numbers uh, through different stretches, like Wilt Chamberlain type of efficiency numbers with that mid-game. Yeah, well, that yeah. was crazy. Yeah. And the one that, that made an absolute career off it was Rip Hamilton. Oh, yeah. He wasn't – Rip Hamilton just – that was, hey, I'm getting his money right here. This is money for me. Michael Jordan. Every, a lot of guys that, that chose that mid-range, even, even Dwayne Wade. Dwayne Wade even had it. You know, and then they developed the three because what ends up happening is guys start coming up short. That They don't understand the progression of the game. They, you know, even for myself – I realized that I didn't have to take as I didn't have, even though I've worked on getting a quicker release because you have to do that because you don't have time to set it. You have to have a quick release. But when guys know they're going to fly out at you, but they know that you'll, you'll hit them with a fake and go by them. They'll go out a little, they'll close out slower so you can step into one a lot easier. Now they're flying out at you. Oh, really? Oh, let me go by you. Oh, big man. Oh, you're not going to bop. You know, oh, now the big man, oh, has he by you at the rim? Oh, yeah. you know I mean, it's a progression. You got to, you got to, you got to be able to master the progression. But yeah. most kids these days, they don't want to master that progression. Well, yeah, you're right. I mean, a whole lot of bag of tricks kind of setting yourself up for yeah. the next the next round. He's going to kind of try to take away what you did last time. So uh, it's very cool yeah. stuff uh, as you know, to watch somebody that that does have all of that. But it, it is like you said, a lot of guys have to to add to their game and, and, and kind of roll through that is a lot of it just um, I, I suppose on, on I guess on their behalf is a lot of it that you would have an more of an opportunity to go to the foul line going to the rim. Is that part of the the. I, I Statistics behind it, I suppose. And, and it's easier. It's easier shot. Everybody, everybody in the gym is working on trick bags. Yeah. You know, everybody don't have a Kyrie Irving trick bag. <laughs> everybody <laughs> thinks they do. So everybody's working on a Kyrie Irving type of trick bag at the rim and either getting it tossed or it, you make everyone. And if you make everyone every now and then, then you think you can make all of them. So yeah. now you're just throwing up all kinds of stuff. Right. So then Everybody either thinks they got a trick bag or everybody thinks they got a Steph Curry jumper. And so everybody's shooting that thing like they Steph Curry and you ain't him. You ain't Ray Allen. So, you know, hey, get into that mid-range, baby. Get, get a couple, see it go down, then, then maybe pop you a three. 
Yeah, we'll we'll see how it how it turns out for Nebraska basketball. Long way to go. No clue what the team's going to look like next year, but maybe we'll see more of that come together in the next couple of weeks. Obviously, Bryce McGowan's already made his decision. Um, maybe a little less impactful. Trevor Lake's already made his decision, but you still have got like the Derek Walkers, the Trey McGowan's, the, the recruiting class coming in. Latman uh, will have a decision to make. It's as good well, that Derek so. Walker hadn't made a decision. You think that's that, a good that, sign that 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 he hasn't has he made a decision? No, to, no. to move on. That's positive. That's positive. I think he's weighing it out. I think he's looking at it. I think he's assessing it. But I think it's positive that he hasn't quick, you know, quick shot uh, a decision. And, and I think probably some of the feedback he's getting is you, you, he's got. Remember what we talked about with regards to Walker. He's got to deliver. He's got to deliver that fifteen to eighteen with consistency. Yeah, there, he's not going to be able to work in there. He's not like Udonis um, Haslam, and even Udonis Haslam and what he did could stroke the three. So, so those are some of the things that he needs to work on. Even, even Draymond Green, Draymond Green, he's not perfect at it, but you've got to respect it. He can shoot it. He can make every now and then. <laughs> so even with Derek Walker, you've got to be able to, 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 to know in this, in the state of the NBA game today, you're either going to have that. And as I talked about one of my guys, Xavier Gibson, he's a six ten guy overseas you know, in his mid thirties, still stroking because he's got a stroke. You got to be able to stroke that ball, baby, if you're going to be able to play that type of game. Yeah, and we talk about that bag of tricks. That would certainly add to Derek Walker. He's able to get good positioning, but if the defense has to respect his jump shot, um, yep. you know, then he's going to be able to get even better positioning. And he's he's also I remember he had it was this was early in the conference season. He had the confidence to take one. Like a three. <laughs> I think it probably was the only three he took all year, and it was mm-hmm. not anywhere close. And I, close. I think from then yeah. on, yeah. And, and, and right now, Bach, the scouting report on him is he's attacking the rim. Mm-hmm. He's got both hands. He's going to post you up. Don't worry about him too much from 15 to 18. If you come back next year with 15 to 18, you're going to be a beast because the scouting report may not catch up with you in time, and then you get back into your trick bag. Because now everybody's going to start coming out to you. The big man's got to come out. You'll be able to hit him with a couple of things. Yo, yo, wop, wop. To the rim, you at your stuff, which are right and left. So, you know, expand your game, baby. Yeah, and for Walker and McGowan's too, and we got to go to break pretty soon, but for both those, I want to ask you this. For both those guys, as they kind of try to think through this, um, with with Bryce out of the door, Alonzo's gone. Um, of course, these new players are going to come in here and all that stuff. But do you think a, a big sale to them would also be an expanded role, guy. even though they're, I the mean, they've already been starters? But, yeah, yeah. I, at that point, it, you're the guy we rely on to get 14 now a night. Yeah, and, and, and the same thing with Trey. Trey defensively is not going to have a problem in the next level. But there's a guy that I can kind of reference to, which is Gary Payton the second. Yeah. It took him a lot of years to develop aspects of his game to be able to get there. He got with the right situation. He got there. And now he's there, right? That's the thing Trey has to look to. Defensively, Gary Payton II is a monster. He's a beast. Trey McGowan's will be similar. He's, he's very good defender. He's very strong. He's very long. He'll defend well in the NBA. But there's consistency with that jumper that he's got to work on. He needs to do it, in, in, I think, in another year. And uh, thanks to Big Bird out of the text line, uh, delivering news that we that we haven't seen yet. Obviously, we're doing a radio show. Um, not great news. Nebraska's Eduardo Andre has entered the transfer portal, so there goes a little bit of depth for Nebraska. That, that's <laughs> that's hurtful. I thought he had a chance to to make a make a make a nice role for himself in the upcoming year. But. Yeah. 
I understand. Yeah, that's another big and a guy again that we all know the story hasn't played basketball for too long, so you know he needs. It was still learning the game, and they would at times would get him in foul trouble. Um, but when he had a mismatch, yeah. he would definitely take advantage of it, and he was coming along. So um, that's a, that's part of the expectation. Yeah, is a is, is, a, is a lot of a lot of loss there. Um, a lot of a lot of guys leaving schools, and you know it, it's. It's just tough for Nebraska because you hope that you don't see too much more of that because they've got to keep a little bit of this thing together because if you're going into another year of just a whole new crew thrown together for the third time out of four years and it hasn't worked before, they've got to do something to sell tickets. I mean, they've got to do something to make you believe. Facts. Yeah. yeah, facts. So maybe we'll talk a little bit more about Eduardo and Andre entering the transfer portal. Also some NFL stuff to break through. Matty Ice now taking his shot with the Colts as this uh, – is this Philip Rivers round two or can Matty Ice uh, elevate the Colts? We'll talk about that next year on the block on 93.7 The Ticket.